when I was debating on what to say tonight, I saw a number of very interesting concepts, some more complex than others. And I decided that we're going to talk a little bit about the Parsha and a little bit about the concepts that are in the Parsha. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it before, I think maybe one or two of you have seen it before, um, when Machavus and I were learning Mesechus Vachim, and we were learning about how they put together the Mizbeach and the, the altar in the, for the second base of Migdash. And we were a little bit confused about how exactly it worked out. So I decided to take some scraps of wood and put together a almost scale model. It's approximately one millimeter per amma. Oh. Although it's not exactly so, the, um, if you take a ruler, you'll find that some of the dimensions are a little bit too big and some are a little bit too small, but it's close. It gives you a basic proportion. Okay. What, what we're going to be talking about is in the beginning of the Parsha where it talks about um, how they brought the Karbonos and what was on the Mizbeach, then we'll point to the various things that are here so that you'll understand it. If you see these little white bumps, there's a little white bump over there and a big white bump over there, that's because every carbon had salt with it. So when they brought up the animals up the ramp, there's a pile of salt on the ramp for them to salt it as it went up. And if they were doing a, a carbon with a bird and they went all the way up to this corner, they had the salt there so when they when they, uh, they didn't slaughter it, they did Malika there, and then they would salt the bird and, and then throw it on the fire. Um, this basically represents the Maharacha, where the, where, the, where the main fire was and where the Karbonas were all burned. It was in this corner, of the, near this corner of the Mizbeach. This is the the uh, pyre for, for which they, where they took the, the coals for the katoras. Okay. So it takes special from there. And this represents the H. Tomid that we learned in this week's parsha, that a fire that was constantly burning. Chazal tell us that the fire that was over here was heaven sent. That when, Hashem, when they dedicated the Mizbeach, a fire came down from heaven and it kept on burning and burning and burning. Besides that, there was a mitzvah to have a per, uh, human fire, and that was this one back here. Then Machlokas, how many there were, but we basically passed them, there were three. On Yom Kippur, there was a fourth one. What was the fire? You said a human fire? Yeah, human-made fire, yeah. Oh. Mm. They, not a fire of humans, not, no. Not, not self-immolation. No. Uh, thank you for asking for clarification. I wouldn't want to go away with, with the wrong thought. <laughs> so this... This pile of uh, sticks represents the the Eish Tumid, the permanent, the, the eternal light, if you will, that was always burning on the Mizbeach. Okay. And every morning they would put two huge blocks of wood on the Marocha, and then they would do other things and put some more wood on there and start the day off. You can get a better picture later. I figured getting you in action. That's okay. It's okay. 
get a great picture with graded carbon on it. Uh huh. We'll get a great picture with graded carbon on it. Yeah, I don't think you can bring a carbon on a piece. I don't think you can bring a carbon on it. It was basically concrete. Um, they made a mold that was 32 amos by 32 amos. They put a, an amma by amma block along here and along there because it didn't go all the way around. And they filled it with basically concrete. Really? If you read the, the, um, the Gomorrah, it says, lime and stones and you know it's basically concrete and then when that settled they would make another one that was two amas shorter and they made the middle section and when that settled they made one that was two amas shorter and they made the middle set the, the top section and then they made a amma by amma um, this is I don't know, half inch or quarter inch whatever it is it's, it's not a it's not a um, millimeter by millimeter so they're actually much smaller than these. But they have these on the corners and they use them for different purposes. Um, in the middle you'll see a red line which was indicating where the middle of the of the Mizbeach was because certain carbonos, certain circumstances, circ sacrifices were processed at the top of the Mizbeach or anywhere in the top half and some were processed only on the bottom half. And the red line told them, you know, don't go past this line, whichever way you're going. So if we start off with the parsha, by Dabar Shem Moshe Lemor, Shabbos Aron Ves Bonol Lemor, Zos Taras Very interesting. Usually it says tell them. Here it says command them. Rashi points out, Ain Sav El Lashon Zeros. Sav commanding is an indication that you should do it with alacrity. Because some things need more encouragement than others. There are two, two ways of looking. Rashi brings down one shot that it says, um, a place where there is a loss of money. What is the loss of money? So different pshatim are, are given. When it says those Torahs Ha'ola, we know that now that we don't have a base of Migdash, if we study the process of the Ola, Hashem credits us as though we had actually done it in the Mizbeah, in the, in the base of Migdash. If we study the process of the chatos, then we get credit as though we had brought a chatos. So if the people, what was an ola brought for? An ola was brought for uh, inappropriate thought or from not doing a mitzvah say. Let's say a man didn't run a whole day without putting on tefillin. He'd have to bring a carbonola. Um, so these are things that people sort of, it wasn't so bad, you know, I, I overslept, I forgot. You know, I was just thinking about it, I didn't actually do it, right? So that's why you need encouragement. You need encouragement to bring it, even though it means you're going to have to do something about it. We'll get back to this concept in a minute. The other, the other shot that I saw was that 
on most carbonos, the Kohanim were given a portion of each carbon. On the Ola, the only thing they got was the hide. But everything else was burned on the Mizbeach. So that's, that's also somewhat of a loss. Going back to the, to the concept that we just had, the idea, there's, there's also a medrash that says you can only encourage somebody who wants to be encouraged. You can only rebuke somebody who wants to be rebuked. There's a story that I saw in, maybe it was in here, maybe it was one of the other books. Um, they gave a marshal, an example, of somebody at a factory and he ordered this newfangled uh, machine. And they were all excited that it was coming, it was going to make their life easier, everything was going to go smoother and faster and more efficiently. And it comes in and they set it up and they turn it on and nothing happens. They try it, they try it, nothing happens. They call the manufacturer and say, okay, we'll send out a technician. Technician looks at it. I don't know what to say or tell you. You know, it must be defective. We'll just send it back, and I will send you a replacement. And you know, I'm sorry for the inconvenience, but you know, what can I do? And as he's preparing to send it back, he noticed something very interesting. Nobody bothered to put in the plug. <laughs> We're like that machine. If we don't plug into Hashem. We get no power from him. If you don't plug into what Hashem wants, no matter what anybody tells you, it's going to go in one ear and out the other because you're not receiving it. Many years ago, we learned that the Gemara that says there's a baskol that goes out of our Sinai every day. A baskol is like a heavenly voice. They said, well, I never heard a heavenly voice goes out through the whole world every day. And somebody said the equivalent of, um, well, can you tell me what words they're saying on KYW at this moment? I said, no, I'm not listening to that. I don't know what this thing they're, they're talking about now. He said, why not? It's, it's, going, it's in the airwaves. It's going right by you. He said, well, because I'm not tuned in. He says, well, maybe you're not tuned in to Kedusha, so you can't hear the Bosco. If you were tuned in, you would hear it. And this is also the Ola is burnt at night, specifically. Other carbonos, they can continue burning at night, but they're processed during the day. The Ola is burnt at night. What else burns at night? One other thing that makes the make this. Huh? Nope. Not even on the Mizbeach. The eternal flame. The menorah. Oh. The menorah was lit at the beginning of the night and it burned through the night. 
The menorah represents Torah. The Mizbeach represents Avodah, serving Hashem. Mm -hmm. If you're in the darkness, there are two things you have to focus on. Doing what you have to do and realizing that the Torah is the only way that you're going to be on the right path. And this is one of the things we learn from the carbon O that's different than virtually every other carbon. Yeah, when we make the bracha, Asher Ketchanu B'Mitzvosav, B'Tzivonu La'asok B'Torah. La'asok B'Torah doesn't mean to learn Torah. It means to be involved with Torah, to, to deal with it, to, to, to learn it well, not just to mumble a bunch of words and say, I did it. This is the kind of Torah that can bring down the Kedusha that you need to survive in a Kedusha type envir uh, environment when you're in the darkness of Gullus. Um, this is also what Chomets is all about. Chomets also represents that which is bad in us. And for Pesach we burn out what's bad. Right? Just like we have to burn out the, the burn the Ola totally, we have to burn the Chomets totally. <coughs> and when do we focus on that? This Shabbos. Shabbos Agado. What's Shabbos Agado? Shabbos Agado is when the Kedusha of Pesach starts to come to us. And if we're focusing on what it's all about, we can be inspired by it. If not, it's a day like any other day. But if we understand that the Kedusha of any time of the year is pretty much unique to that time of the year, and the Kedusha of Pesach starts at Shabbos HaGadol, then this Shabbos, even though it's a whole week, almost a whole week till, till the first night of Pesach, we're already starting Pesach then. We're already starting to, to feel. What what do we learn from Pesach? What do we teach our children at the Seder? We teach our children that we believe in Hashem, and not just yeah I believe, but I believe that it's a re reality. And. The trust in Hashem that I have is something I want to convey to future generations. When I convey it to future generations, I strengthen it within myself. When I strengthen it within myself, I'm a good role model for those around me, whether it's my children or somebody else's children or just my friends. Because if you act like you care, people notice. I mean, how many times Rahman we see people that Davin the Hoshman Esrei in 30 seconds flat. Well. And we say, do you have any idea what you said? What do you say to somebody that does that? Because, I mean, we all know if you say anything to that person? It depends on your relationship with the person. Okay. 
if he's going to listen to you, then you find a nice way to say something. If he's not going to listen to you, he's going to, and he's just a crackpot. He doesn't, you know. I did what I had to do, you know. Yeah, you did what you had to do, but you're not going to get anything out of it. Exactly. I mean, how much? Of, how many of us get more out of Neila than any other time of year? Because we're focusing. If we would daven Shmona Esrei today, like we daven Shmona Esrei and Neela, it would be a different Shmona Esrei. We can't do it, but we can try. If we try, then we, we accomplish something. We accomplish a little bit more each time. This is all... Um, this, this is all what we, what we have to do, and this is what we learn from the Carbonola. Uh, just as an aside to get back to our model, next project says, uh, The coin wears linen uh, clothes, his linen uniform. And he takes a token amount of ash from the Mizbeach. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he takes it from here. I always thought he took it from here. This is where they took the extra ash and piled it up so people could see how many carbonates they had because they have this huge pile of ash. But he would take, he would move the coals around, take a scoopful, take it down, and put it right over here where this little piece of paper is, next to the Mizbeach. And even though it was a stone floor, it got absorbed into the floor. There was never a pile there. It just got soaked into the floor. Um, this was cleared only when there was no more room to put more stuff. Except on Yontif when they would let it just grow and grow and grow and grow so people could appreciate how many carbonos people brought for Yontif. And then they would clear it out. But this is called the Tapuach because it was round like an apple and um, this so the fire was here the ashes were here and that's how it, that's how it worked um, how many people would be up on top of them this day at a time on the hmm, don't know it depends on what was going on the, the, the carpet itself they threw from here they stood at the top of the ramp right. and threw it onto the fire. And they threw it from there. They threw it onto the fire. So as not to get hurt. Well, not only that, there's, there's a plastic, I forgot what the plastic is, that, said that, that <coughs> indicates that you have to throw it onto the fire rather than place it on the fire. The only thing that time they placed it on the fire is if in the morning when he was taking the ash, he saw a piece of meat that didn't quite get burned yet, he would just put it back on the fire. Right. But but generally they threw it they threw it from here or the birds they threw from here onto the fire this whole space was only about four or five feet so yeah. yes sir so they threw literally threw an entire carcass let's say that's no it was cut into pieces, cut into pieces. Okay. they would throw the the foreleg the hind leg the the the, the chest the what would happen if they missed not likely well, they could on him. They, they do what they're supposed it to do. It seems like, based on this diagram, it would be a pretty good distance. Yeah, right, yeah. 
Um, let's see. One, two, three. Four. I think it's four almost. It's about eight feet. Yeah. All right. <laughs> like throwing it from here. Like throwing it from here to the other table. All right. If you had to throw a whole bull that far, it would be difficult. But if you're just throwing a piece of meat, then to the middle of this big, the, the middle of this big. Uh, the thing, huh? Yeah, they had. Well, you think the column didn't have to work? They had, they had to work. Huh? They didn't have baseball. They had this. Yeah, they had. Instead of throwing the If we go a little bit further. After Zos Torah Ola, we have Zos Torah Mincha, Zos Torah Asham. I think we missed Zos Torah Chatas somewhere along the way. And the Bumakamashi Yishkatuas Ola Yishkatuas Asham Yishkatuas Chatas. Why is it that the other Karbonos are linked to the Ola? So I saw a very interesting shot that the Ola represents the thought. You don't do something. A chatas is brought because you did something that normally would be um, a Kari's type punishment, but you did it inadvertently. I wouldn't say accidentally, but inadvertently. Right? You had two pieces of Two pieces of uh, of meat. One one had fat on it. That was shuman that you're allowed to eat. One had fat that was chalav. You thought you picked the right one, but you, then somebody told me you told you to pick the wrong one. I goofed. Why did I goof? Because I didn't think. Right, you're right. I didn't investigate because my thought was not into it. So even your accident, your inadvertent chatas started with a bad thought. That's an ola. So the ola, which was slaughtered north, which is this side of the Mizbeach, all the Kutche Kedashim were slaughtered north of the Mizbeach. Some say north of the midsection, some say north of the Mizbeach. Um, I have a, I don't know if any of you were at my wife's here when, when I brought out the chart, but there's, it's my focus whether it's here or here or here. Whether the three of my focus in the Gemara, whether it's limited to in, directly in front of the Mizbeach or whether it includes either side or both sides. <coughs> Um, but it's definitely north of the Mizbeach. The Kachim Kalim could be anywhere, anywhere in, in the uh, in the Azar, anywhere in the area. It could be in front of the Mizbeach, in the back of the Mizbeach, on the side of the Mizbeach. Didn't really matter. But the the Kachim So I happen to bring this along too. I'm sorry the recording doesn't have the video. Oh, I'm glad, but sorry. But the this is a Torah Masora poster 
called And if you notice, all the light purple are Kodesh Kodashim. The only Kodeshim Kalim are Shlomim, which include a nether and a dove if you decide to give a korban, Chagiga and Erev Pesach, Shalmi Simcha, Shalmi Chagiga, a korban toda, which we'll get to in a minute, Another Tor, a Bukhor, Meiser, and Pesach. Those are the only Kachim Kalim. Um, the rest were all, Kachim Kalim were all slaughtered here, and the others were slaughtered wherever there was room. The Ola and the Chata's birds were all Kachim Kalim, but they were, they did Malika on them. They basically put their thumbnail through the back of the neck and split the spine as well. As Polish Chita, we're not allowed to split the spine. By, by the birds, you had to split the spine. Um, talk about the process a little bit first before we get to the other part. <clears throat> when they um, shafted a carbon, there were four main processes that were required for every carbon. The first was shkita, okay. which probably normally was done by a coin, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. So if somebody brought a carbon and they wanted to, and they were qualified and they wanted to shech their own carbon, they were allowed to. Really? The second was Kabbalah, where they had to get the blood that was shooting out of the neck into a klisharis into a, a sanctified vessel. Then they had to take it to the Mizbeach, that's Holacha. And then they had to do Zrika. What's that? Zrika is Rubber. throwing it on the Mizbeach. There are two kinds of Zrika, and lest I make a mistake, and I don't want to take out the chart again, um, the ones that were on the bottom they did Shtayim Shein Arba, two, which was four, which means they came to this northeast corner and they spritzed across the, the <coughs> corner so that it hit both sides. Then they would come to the southwest corner and spritz <coughs> against, so it hit both sides. So it's two spritzing that hit four walls. That's why it's called two, which is four. Okay? And then they would pour the rest of it into the hole in the base. Okay, the carbonos, like the chatas behema that was done on top, they would come up the ramp, come over to the corner, make one spritz. They would take it and with their finger they would spritz by by the uh, corner here, then they would come around here, take a fresh dunk. They wipe off their finger, take a fresh dunk, spritz it over here, wipe off their finger. Over here, make a French dunk and spritz over here. Huh? Where were they standing? What? There's a ledge. And it looks small. It's it's about two feet wide. Do you have any explanations of why why we why the spritzing was done? Huh? Well, what's the explanation? Why 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 are some? Tell us to do that. Some some explanations for that. Is important. I don't 
why they do Zrika all together or why they do it different ways? I haven't thought of it. Do you want to think about come something off of, off the cuff? I mean, if I want, if I have to come off come up with something off the cuff. Chazal say that when a person brings a carbon, he should be have in mind that this is what should happen to me. That my blood should be spilled, my flesh should be burned. But Hashem, in His mercy, allowed me to bring a carbon instead. By the way, one thing I want to clarify. When we see the word carbon and they see a translation as sacrifice, I don't think that's a very good translation. Carbon comes from the word karov. It's to get closer to Hashem. That you messed up, and now you want to get close to Hashem. So you're bringing a carbon saying, Hashem, I realize this is what I deserve to happen to me, but please accept this in, instead. So how about surrogate? Not surrogate. It's, it's, it's following Hashem's instructions as to what to do in certain circum circumstances. Yeah, but this, this animal is in place of me. It's a surrogate. This, well, if you, wanna, if you wanna put it that way, it's, to, to, to some extent. But this is, this is the, um, if, you, if, if you send me an email, I'll, I'll try to find something on, on the concept of Zrika. Um, I've always taken it for granted because the Pusik says you do it. And when it says around, it means like that. When it says on the carnos and his back, it means on top. So the, the, the animal chattas was on top, the animal ola was on the bottom. The bird chattas was on the bottom, and the bird ola was, a, was on top. So there are different processes for things, and yeah, you can get very deep into it. I would suggest looking up Shimshmal for Hirsch's parish on Carbonos because when Shimshmal for Hirsch was in Germany, and the so-called Enlightenment was darkening the Jewish scene, um, he wrote his parish to explain to these modernistic Jewish people uh, the Torah in a way that they could relate to. And this is probably something that he would talk about. Unfortunately, I didn't look at the Hirsch Parish this week, so I can't. I, I can't even guess what he said. Um, one of the problems with having all these farm come out is you forget about this farm that you used to use, <laughs> and uh, sometimes you have to go back to the the old ones to to get to get a clarification of of things. Um, There's an interesting medrash, which I think is here. Yeah. This is uh, Rabbi Goldbaum's brother's sefer called Meir Derech. We've mentioned it on previous occasions. 
Uh, I don't know if you, any of you remember Rabbi Goldbaum. He used to be the guy by Yadavistora, and now he's a principal up in um, in Canada. Yeah, in 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 Ottawa, I think. Yeah. In Ottawa. Um, but I had this chus that one time I was when he was still here. I went to Eretz Yisrael, and he asked me if I could stop by his brother and pick up a couple of copies of the Sefer. And uh, when I went there, I said, "Can I buy one for myself?" And he said, "Sure." He says, "How much is it?" I said, five dollars, six dollars, something like that." He said, "That's it? Not fifteen, twenty?" He says, "No, that, that's all." So I gave him five dollars and took it home. And Almost every time I speak here, I look through to see if there's something that I that I'd want to share with you. And this is one thing that I saw. It says, "The nations of the world said to Bilam, this is the Medrash Tanchuma. Why did Hashem give Yisrael the opportunity to get close to Him by bringing carbonos, but He didn't tell us anything?" So Bilam responded to them, "Hakarbonos einon eleshalom. The carbonos are only peace. Umi shekibel asatara shiksuvimba tsarach sheyikrav carbonos. One who accepted on himself the Torah, in which the carbon, the command for carbonos is related." They can bring carbonos. You, who at the beginning disqualified yourself, the minister says that Hashem went to all the nations and said, "Do you want to get the Torah?" And they said, "What's in it for me?" Right. Forget it. I don't want to give up my vice. I don't want to give up my habits. So, the action of the of action of the of carbonos. Now you want to bring a carbon. Misha Kibla who Makov Kabonos. He who accepted the Torah, he can bring Kabonos. By the way, if a guy wants to bring a carbon, he's allowed to. But if he says he wants to be a shlomim, they make an anola. What's a shlomim? A is a peace offering where the Kohanim eats some we're gonna get to that in a, in a in a minute. Where the owner eats some, the Kohanim eats some, the Mizbach eats some. <laughs> Um, and um, the guy is only allowed to bring an ola. Why? Because a guy only understands the carbon as a sacrifice. If I don't give it up totally, I'm not giving it up. A carbon chatas, for example, the case that we gave before where I inadvertently did something that would be a cave curse if I did it on purpose. I bring a carbon, they shecht it, they spritz the blood on the four corners, they take the parts that are supposed to be burned, the innards that are supposed to be burned on his back, and they throw it on the fire. And then most of the meat goes to the Kohanim. And they go out to the side, and they have a little barbecue. And in the base of Migdash, they would eat the carbon chattas. 
And Chazal say, as the Kohen eats the Chatas, the owner of the Korban gets his Kapara. A guy cannot conceive of anything like that. You did something and I get forgiven? <coughs> I have to give up myself. I have to torture myself to be forgiven. Right? So fine, bring an Ola. It'll all get burned in the Mizbeach. But, but anything else you can't do. Right? Um, why is it that this is so? So he says that when you say what's in it for me you're not really dedicating yourself to it. You're only dedicating yourself as long as it's beneficial for you. When you say Nasev and Nishma, you're saying we take it, we accept it. Even if we don't understand it, even if we don't know what we're doing, even if we still have to learn, we accept it. Then you're dedicating yourself to it. Because I care. If you care, then you can get closer. If you don't care, you can only stand on the outside. Goy wasn't allowed inside the base of Mikdash itself. They were only allowed up to the fence that was around the base of Mikdash. The chayl. And then they would send their carbon to the, in, in with somebody to, to be sacrificed. And they would get a report back, yeah, it was sacrificed. So it was fairly common. It wasn't like a rare thing. What, did a guy bring carbon? I never took statistics. <laughs> and unfortunately, I don't remember being there, so I can't tell you. I, I, know, I know it's possible. Huh? I know it's possible, and I know it probably happened, and I'm sure it did happen. How often it happened, that I don't know. Is that where the phrase, go to hell, comes from? No. Ah. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nasev Anishma means... Shalom. Peace. I want peace with Hashem. Right. If you want peace with Hashem, I'll give you a way to get closer. Gotcha. I'll give you a process, a number of processes, that in different ways will help you really connect with Hashem. Mm -hmm. So you'll understand. The saw so a very interesting thing in the Siva Shalom. The Shalom is something that my wife was learning regularly for a while until she got too busy to breathe. And uh, I don't think she's gotten into it soon, uh, recently. Um, but the, the uh, Pasuk says like this. Vizos Torah Zevach HaShlomim This is the laws of the carbon of Shlomim. Zevach by the mean usually means Shechita. Because the birds are not called Zevach at all. I don't think. I don't I have to look up and see what the bird carbonates are called. Asher Yakriv Hashem that you're going to bring to Hashem. 
Doesn't say that Zos Torah Sechatos. Doesn't say that by Zos Torah Ola. Doesn't say that by Zos Torah Asham. It says Zos Torah Zevach Hashlomim Asher Yakiv Lashem. And then it goes to explain the carbon toda. The carbon toda was brought with 40 loaves, four different kinds, 10 loaves each, three different kinds of matzah, and, and one type of chametz. That's why we don't say Mizmur Lasoda on Erev Pesach. So, huh? The carbon toda along with the animal that was sacrificed, had 40 loaves. Four different kinds, 10 of each. Three different kinds of matzah, and one type of chametz. Okay? When we say Mizmer Lesoda in Shakras, I don't know if you say Mizmer Lesoda in Shakras, but for the menfolk who, who say it in Shakras every morning, we don't say it Erev Pesach or during Pesach because it refers to a carbon that had chametz in it. And since you don't minimize the time of a carbon, you say, well, I'll bring it, you know, I'll, I'll bring my carbon toda 8 o'clock in the morning, and by 10 o'clock I'll be finished. But that we, we can't. Uh, uh, sacrifice was never put on the bath because chametz isn't allowed on the bath. It was eaten by the guests. But you can't eat it on Pesach. You can't eat it. Can't eat it on Pesach. Oh, I see, I see. Can't eat it on Pesach. Therefore, you can't bring the carbon. But oh, it's getting late. Okay, let me finish up. We've got time. We started late. We, we we started very late. But let me let me let me let me relate two different things that I saw. First of all, it says Ashiyakov Hashem. Later on, it says Zevach Toda Shlomov uh it says three three different times it says Zevach Shlom Mashel Hashem and Zevach Shlom Mashel Hashem is the only carbon that says Lashem because this is the carbon that's bringing you closest to Hashem. Why? If you remember on Yom Noroyim, we talked about uh, right after the Kia Shofar actually is Im Kavadim Im Kabanim. If we're like slaves, if we're like sons. If we're like sons, then treat us like a son. If we're like slaves, then break our chains. Right? What's the difference between an Evid and a, a, a slave and a son? The slave does what he's told. <laughs> Right? A son does it because he wants to please his parents. He knows his parents want him to do this. So therefore, in order to please his parents, he's going to do something. If I bring an ola or a chatas, it's because I have to. I did something wrong, I have to. I'm like an evid. But if I bring a carbon toda, it's because I want to say thank you. I want to thank Hashem. How does he thank Hashem? Because the carbon toda had to be eaten the same day it was brought. The only way you can finish a whole animal and, well, 
four chalas went to the Kohanim, but 36 chalas is if you invite a lot of people to help you eat it. Mm. And a lot of people are going to come to your Suda Soda and say, why did you bring a Toga? And he said, because Hashem did this wonderful thing for me. I was very sick and now I'm healthy. Or I was in jail and I thought I was going to get killed and, and now I'm out of jail. Or I got lost in the desert and they found me and now I'm, now I'm back here. So he has to publicize what Hashem did for him. If he publicizes what Hashem, if he publicizes what Hashem did for him, then it's a bigger kiddush Hashem, and it's a midah connected midah. If you express that you're happy with Hashem, even though everything He did for you, you might not appreciate as much, then Hashem is happy with you, even though everything you did for Him, He might not appreciate as much. <laughs> So if you bring a carbon toda or equivalent and you say thank you Hashem for helping me, thank you Hashem for saving me, thank you Hashem for doing this, that, and the other thing, that really brings you close to Hashem because you're saying thank you and Hashem will want to get close to you and it'll be a, an ongoing cycle hopefully that won't, that won't end. So one parish says, why only one day? He says, what? I don't have to thank him tomorrow for what he does for me tomorrow? So one, one reason, the, the, the usual reason you hear is because you want to share it and, and promulgate the, uh, the news, publicize the news. But it's also important to appreciate what Hashem does for every day. I happened to bring an article that I was bringing for Rabbi Wax in Avastar a little while. There was um, a question. The, we, they started the um, Mishnah Brewer Yomi. Right. The Daily Mishnah Brewer started on Monday, the new cycle. And in today's portion, it talks about Tikkun Chatzos, where people get up in the middle of the night and bemoan the loss of the base of Mikdash. And um, there's in there there's there's also the part where you wake up in the morning you have to say modani and Mishnah Ruah says that when you wake up in the morning you say modani lefanecha melech chai v'kayom shehazarta bi nishmasi b'chamla rabba emunasecha so the article which I can let people see before I leave is um, someone uh, posted in the Huffington Post or Huntington Post or whatever it is. That there was a conference, a, a national conference of neurologists, uh -huh. and one of the guest lecturers was a doctor from Great Britain okay. who gave a whole long thing about her research about why people, some people faint when they get up in the morning. And she decided that if you sit in bed for 12 seconds, then you'll avoid fainting. And everybody probably should do the same thing so they don't faint. So when she finished, one of the other doctors who were there said, I would 
request permission to say something. He said, among the Jews, we have this solved. Because when you first get up in the morning and you're sitting on your bed before you get up, you say 12 words. Right. And if you say them carefully, it takes you 12 seconds. So, yeah, we've been doing this all the time. <laughs> you know, we, got an app. we, huh? We have an app for that. We, yeah, we have a knack for doing things that people are just starting to find out. Mm -hmm. um, I think we'll stop the recording now.